0: Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
1: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain. I'm retired from medical practice, but I'm still working in healthcare, helping family caregivers. In fact, I'm an activist for family caregiving which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, today we're going to talk about family caregivers helping family caregivers. Family caregivers, of course, are the people who go on providing care to family members when all the professional caregivers, like I used to be, have actually gone home. Family caregivers always have been, are now, and according to everything I read, will continue to be essential parts of the healthcare systems in North America and beyond. I've started to compare the benefits and costs of family caregiving with other things that are done in healthcare, like the current big enthusiasm for information technology and electro- electronic health records. A couple of things stand out for me. First, the savings actually brought to healthcare systems by family caregivers far, far outweighed the savings claimed, let alone delivered by information technology. Second, and this is the point that strikes me most strongly, is the way so many family caregivers who've traveled the hard, hard road of family caregiving then turn around and offer a helping hand to family caregivers just starting their journey down the family caregiving road. So that's why on this show... I've been honored to have as guests several family caregivers who help other family caregivers. And from them, I learned that they're turning to media as a way to help others, which is why today's guests are two experts prominent in media. They're going to share with us, with family caregivers, um, their knowledge and experience, particularly focused on family caregivers who are Wanting to use or already using the media way. Now our two guests are Kathy Kastner and Nancy Coldham. And first, I'm going to introduce Kathy Kastner. She's founder, editor, and publisher of Ability for That's a numeral Life She launched Ability for Life in February 2010 to meet a need, information gaps faced by adult children caring for aging parents. Now, with its monthly traffic increasing exponentially, Ability for Life has garnered keen interest in linking and cross-promoting opportunities from respected geriatric information and research institutions. Prior to AbilityforLife.com, she pioneered North America's premier and award-winning hospital-based health education television networks One's the parent channel, and the other's health TV. These networks broadcast person-centered health information to a targeted and captive audience of patients and healthcare professionals in the largest, top-ranked teaching hospitals across North America. As CEO and chief strategist, she designed and developed the positioning, philosophy, and content that helped grow the service from a 45-bed pilot to an international multi-talented organization reaching more than 21,000 beds. She's an invited speaker and participant at healthcare conferences and health forums. She's conducted workshops, lectures, and plenary sessions at respected international healthcare communication symposium in Canada and the U.S. Now, our other guest is Nancy Colden. Nancy is the founding partner of a leading privately owned Canadian public affairs consulting firm, the CG Group. She started the company in 1981. Her career includes more than 25 years experience in journalism, public relations, and public affairs consulting that includes senior positions in federal, provincial, and commonwealth governments. She spent years perfecting speech writing ad copy, audiovisual scriptwriting, script writing, and full editorial services. Her expertise at reputations, issues, and crisis management, media relations, and well-planned, well-executed internal ex- and external communications programs has benefited a number of major Canadian and multinational corporations, professional associations, and governments. She recently added blogging and tweeting to her communications arsenal as she ventured into the Web 2.0 world. She's been nominated twice for a Canadian Woman Entrepreneur Award for Lifetime Achievement, a nominee for the 2009 Canadian Women in Communications Award, and recipient of the Markham Board of Trade Business Excellence Innovation Award in 2007. So... Welcome to the show, Kathy and Nancy.
2: Well, thanks, Gordon. I am just going to say, I don't know about you, Kathy, but I already feel so old after you <laughs> rhymed that
3: all off that I think I should turn to my children and make sure they're ready to take care of me. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, um, we both sound mighty impressive.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to be put to the test now, both of you, notwithstanding any age, and I don't wish to talk about age. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, starting with Kathy. Please tell us about your work as TV and video producer and publisher and editor. Kathy?
3: Um, Well, I started off as a child actress. My parents thought that I was too, um, no one will believe this now, but too quiet. And um, they thought putting me into drama school would change that, and it did. So I launched my television career at age eight or nine and then um, saw what crazy lives actors had, and moved into writing commercials, 30-second spots for various national companies. At a certain point, 30 seconds was just not long enough, Mm -hmm. so I moved into television. I um, worked as a series producer at uh, two or three of Canada's uh, television networks and um, had a wonderful time doing that until I realized that producers get no credit. And Then I became an on-camera entertainment reporter, until um, I got pregnant with my first kid, and the prenatal instructor recognized me and asked if there wasn't some way where um, I could direct her to a production company to produce education specific to expectant parents Mm. who were concentrated, as every parent will know, especially mothers, on the labor and delivery portion of childbearing, and forgetting about the next 15 years of horror, child-rearing. <laughs> and so um, my husband, was also in production, and I thought, um, you know what, we represent every parent with stupid questions or every new parent, um, and especially with nuclear families dissolving. And we career women really um, not relying on our mothers and our neighbors and our uh, female relatives but, um, figuring that the, um, book related experts know best. There's a great, huge gap in basic things like confidence and, um, there being no crime and not knowing the basics of, um, of baby care since you've never been there. So we began producing standalone tapes for prenatal educators and that, um, eventually parlayed itself into um, hospitals asking if they could batch our videos onto their closed-circuit television systems, and I remember thinking, there's something else here to explore. So we conducted some needs and benefits, determined if hospitals actually, well, in fact, I thought, do hospitals not already have Mm -hmm. patient education on their closed-circuit television systems? This seems like a natural to me. They didn't, and we um, began a, um, pioneered a business which um, has been attempted to be copied. And it's interesting that this program is about uh, caregivers um, making forays into new media because my television network was considered new media at the time. (laughs) Yeah called place-based or out-of-home, Nancy, you'll be familiar with those terms, I'm sure. And now it's just old media, closed-circuit television where you turn on the TV and what comes up comes up. Okay. Um, and now. after um, rolling that television network out across uh, North America, doing the surveys with patients and their families to determine gaps in information and needs, it came clear that there was no one spot for adult caregivers taking care of their aging parents to come Kathy, that's to... that's
1: a great moment for me to break in because the, the break is looming, and I just want to get Nancy to tell us about her experience Absolutely. as a talk, talk show host, and then we'll come back to the break-in point. Thanks,
2: well, no problem, and and Gordon, I, um, as you said, have recently, in addition to blogging and tweeting, also put on the hat of TV talk show host, which is a wonderful experience, and I think relevant to your listeners today, because we did a, a one-hour show on grandparents, taking a look at the burden that they have, and What's consistent in my background, whether it came from my start in, in studying journalism and then um, working in, in uh, radio and, and the Canadian Press Wire Service, then as a speech writer, and, and then just start my own company, is that all the world wants is a story, and it has to be a good story. And so being a talk show host has helped me help others tell their story, and I think that's what we're going to be talking about later on in the show, is, you know, what is the media, old or new, um, all about in terms of helping grandparents or caregivers, this unpaid army of heroes, um, get their stories out in a way that maybe gets them some clout, because right now, I don't think they're having that Rodney Dangerfield moment they need, and by that I mean they ain't got no respect. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's certainly something that we're going to come to later in the show because what we want to do is to provide through this show something more than hints and tips about how to get those moments. So we're going to go into the break right now because it is that time. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Kathy Kastner and Nancy Coldham. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety channel. Please
4: stay tuned. We'll definitely be back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by.
4: Are you ready to get freed up? That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Kathy Kastner and Nancy Colden. Our topic is Family Caregivers Helping Family Caregivers. Now, I want to talk about, with the two guests, their impressions of family caregiving and the way media can help family caregivers help other family caregivers. So starting with Nancy, please tell us your impressions of family caregivers and family caregiving as things are at the moment. Well,
2: Gordon, to be honest, I have been a, a family caregiver myself. I helped my, my dear father get through uh, his own heart conditions and a quadruple bypass surgery and that over the years, even when he was a, a younger, more robust man. But more recently from my aging mother, who just recently passed away this year, uh, just shy of her 91st birthday. So I I know what Kathy's been talking about earlier in in her own program and her magazine that she's made available, because there is no... Sort of um, du- you know the the dummies' books there 's no uh, family caregiver's dummy book you you go into it blindly and you do the best you can and each each caregiver struggles up against the system because we don 't have a, um, a, a, a guidebook there 's no you know turn to page whatever to find out why you should have had that power of attorney sign form <laughs> form signs you know it 's that kind of thing um. My experience has been there 's literally, as I said earlier, just an an army of people who are up against this and and I know from um, the show that we did uh, my own t v show we did on it is that there 's literally billions of dollars um, covered by by caregivers who aren 't charging so it 's a great as you said it 's a great off the book. Uh, level of care in terms of expenditure people would have to pay to get this care. Um, but also, there's pluses and minuses to it. And, you know, for me, it was actually an honor. I really saw it as a privilege to, to, to help my parents um say farewell to this world. They were both terrific people. They did a great job raising a big family. Never complained, and so I certainly wasn't going to start complaining with their additional needs. The bigger question is we're not an expert. So health care by Google isn't always the best way to help someone, but through trial and error, most of it worked, and if you can get through the hip replacement 101 and early dementia, you're on your road to success to what is eventually
1: the fond farewell. Yeah. Kathy, same, same question. Your impressions of family caregivers and family caregiving?
3: Um, well, first of all, I am in, the, in a way the privileged position of having only one grandparent. I mean, it's a, it's a sorrow and a privilege. The one grandparent that's left in um, our family is my ninety year old father-in-law, who's Scottish, and who regularly says to me, Kathy, I need a woman. So, <laughs> and then he adds with a bit too much information, and I don't need Viagra. <laughs> a bit too much information for me. But what it said to me um, in getting into Ability for Life, the website, is that um, is A, what is old, what is old these days? We're aging differently, and um, the uh, medical advancements have uh, made us not necessarily live uh, to the end of our life with um, complete abilities, but we're all still living a lot longer and functioning a lot longer. And so, yes, family the family caregivers um, that I speak to, there seem to be... Common issues across the board, notwithstanding that many of them do say it's an honor, but um, frustrations, exhaustion, no acknowledgement, the patterns of past relationships. So they're you know they're common threads. I'm sure Nancy you'll you'll be familiar with this, and yet each situation warrants its own um, assessment, its own respect, its own series of solutions. So one person's solution may not be the same for another, but um, as per previous comment, our stories do make a difference in that it is not a healthcare professional pontificating, with all due respect, Dr. Athelie.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it
3: is um, a more, uh, you know, a more uh, personal, um, real-life look at what we're all facing or the various aspects of what we're all facing. Right.
1: And that brings us, you know, to the question, the next couple of questions, very neatly. Uh, And I'm going to go back to Nancy. I want to know, uh, I want you to tell us anyway, about the media world you're familiar with and how it works from the point of view of a family caregiver wanting to get a story published. Nancy?
2: Well, sure. And and, and not much has changed over the years. (laughs) The... The media, the working media, the current media—your daily newspaper, your your local TV or your radio station—it's um, a fortress in many respects. Um, because to get your story told or heard, you either have to make news, uh, which most people, you know, would find it difficult to get something that's newsworthy um, for an editor's attention, particularly now that so you know the. I mean, they have to send out a crew to take a picture or something, or some film footage. Um, so what you do is you pitch, and pitching is selling. Pitching is putting together the essence of what you think is, is the story and why it would appeal to that listener or viewer or reader. And and that's exactly what it's done. It's a one-pager that captures the essence of uh, what you're about. And as Kathy's saying, what are the consistent issues – or, or um things that would would be important to anybody else who would read, listen, or watch that uh, media, and again there's a discipline to it, and you have to have a certain skill because most of us know far too much when you 're up to your eyeballs in an into a an issue or or a, you're a femme caregiver yourself you're emotional. So you have to distill it, and then you have to add the sizzle, and you have to make the pitch, and then you have to get it off to the people, and then you, the selling really begins with calls and, or you know, dropping in and all that kind of stuff. It's a very long, hard process. That's why you're better off to go to a community paper that's starving for content, um, or um, as uh, as I'm sure we'll talk about in detail uh, later is. Um, you know, make make a noise to give yourself a voice, and, and, and that's a whole different way of commanding attention.
1: Right. Kathy, I want you to answer the same question relative to the media world you're familiar with. How does that work from the point of view of a family caregiver wanting to get a story aired or viewed?
3: Everything that Nancy said and, and more, or at least augmenting it, because for television, you... Um, and you know, viewers or listeners, when they hear this, will recognize this in their own viewing habits. A talking head, and I hope that term is familiar to everybody, if it's not, it's just someone talking, looking at the camera or looking at an interviewer and talking, won't sustain anymore unless you are extremely charismatic, extremely passionate, extremely articulate um as far as and and uh, visuals are always needed so you know as nancy rightly pointed out for television you know getting uh, uh, figuring out what the right visuals are um and in family caregiving it can be tough you know it can be um time consuming to capture the whatever is going on uh in a in a uh, adult caregiver's life But those are the, you know, those will be the requirements. However, unless it is can be tied to an event or an event that's created, as Nancy says, it is. It's true. It's nigh unto impossible to compete with the, uh, with really the professionals that are out there. And in fact, um, I would suggest that it is a worthwhile investment to look into. Um, using the services of a, of a trained PR person like Nancy or someone else, because depending on you know the range of costs, it is the, their their contacts, their relationships, their knowledge of what the um, what is required out there. Assuming that's what the family caregiver really wants, and we'll discuss that I know in a later session. We segment. will indeed.
1: Now I'm just going to break in because again the the break looms. And quick question, same question to both of you. First of all, with Nancy, what do you understand by new media? What is it? <laughs> well, new media is really social
2: media. And, and one of the things I think is important for today's um, listeners is that um, social, the, uh, social media is perfect for social advocacy. If you're involved in a social cause which which caregivers are, then social media is it can turn you um, into a, a a civic journalist you You have tools now that you would not have had before at your at your uh, been accessible to you when we just talked about sort of fortress media the the standard standard type of media and social media is all those things we hear about it's internet based uh, and it's it's talking about Facebook and Twitter and blogging and tweeting, and uh, you know we'll go into detail about what that is. But you can have your own po- podcast, which basically gives you your own radio station. Now you're going to have competition, Gordon. Sure. Um And and have a voice. The key is, and we'll talk about it later. There are four Cs to this kind of, of world. You have to have content. You have to have uh, collaboration. You have to have. Uh, a, uh, community, and you have to be able to have a collectivity to it. Well, we'll come stick. back
1: to because this is me being rude again and interrupting, but I do want Kathy to tell us quickly, in a few seconds, just what do you understand by new media?
3: Everything from um, what was just mentioned, websites, blogs, Facebook, Twitter. There's also Skype, YouTube, webinars, and mobile phones, and who knows what the future is going to hold? But all of those electronic, digital, um, crowdsourcing, as as it's called, uh, vehicles are considered new because
1: they are new. Right. And they're offering, what you're both saying is they're offering an opportunity for family caregivers to break into the fortress. Now it is time for us to take the short break. And this is Dr. Gordon Adler. My guests are Kathy Kastner and Nancy Coldham. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. We will be back.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. time here on voiceamerica.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Help! You know I need
0: someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to G at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. And our two guests, Kathy Kastner and Nancy Colden. We're talking about family caregivers helping family caregivers and uh, the way in which new media and things like that can be helpful. Now, let's talk about advice and success. So, Kathy, what advice do you have for family caregivers who've reached the point at which they want to help other family caregivers and they want to do so using the new media?
3: My start would be, and was, in fact, uh, with a website created with a uh, platform that I could update. In my case, it's called WordPress. But before I launched into my website, I did research. I looked at sites, I called up keywords, I saw what else was out there, what other people were doing, and it helped me determine everything from what I wanted a website to look like, to what I wanted it to sound like, to who I might want to link to. So um, researching, which no doubt caregivers are already doing, at least this batch that you're um, you're, you're targeting here if they're interested in new media. <clears throat> Excuse me, they've already been on the web. Um, and then start with what you know. Um, as Nancy said in my experience, uh, too, is that your own story, your own journey, your own trials and tribulations can start off as a door opener. And keep it simple. You don't have to start with um, everything. You can start and build on it. That is one of the beauties of um, the new media. And um, in starting with the web, then you can explore. You know, These things, they're all new concepts. They're all new um, lessons that have to be learned, new languages. So don't feel you have to do everything at once, is my advice.
1: Right. Nancy, your advice to family caregivers who've got to that magic point where they want to help others and they want to do so using new media?
2: Well, I think, you know, building on, on Kathy's uh, insights, it's, I see social media, new media, you keep calling it, I, I see it actually as a new religion. And what I mean by that, Gordon, Kathy, is that what's, to me, the essence of of religion is this collective sense that we are not alone. You get people who are looking after aging grandparents or, or disabled children or whatever the case may be, these unpaid folks uh, doing all this heavy lifting when it comes to caregiving, and there's a great sense of isolation. It's sort of like the... Um, uh, you know, the isolation that housewives felt in the 50s, right? You're sort of left behind and left out of the loop, and yet you're doing all this great work. When they reach that point that they think, I, I can't do this in isolation anymore, or I wish someone had told me they're willing to, to to create this, then what I would ask them to do is just what Katie's saying, is identify what it is you want to to share and why. Because the other thing is, you, you you have to be relevant and 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 compelling. So I guess that was the other C I didn't mention was the compelling story. Um, and what you do is, you again, you have your, your computer, you have the website. Um, I think Kathy's Kath absolutely right. Most of us go out and, and do all this kind of homework because I think it's fair to say that a number of, of these caregivers will be female. They just seem to last longer, <laughs> and they do their homework. And then you decide, okay, as, as Kathy's saying, who, what am I going to look like, sound like, and who am I going to link to? And who needs to hear this story and when? So that also helps you um, sort of bring some some immediacy to the to the story as well and then what you have to do is decide is it going to be information based is it anecdotal um, Is there a bit of both, and what are you going to do with it and and that 's why I would recommend for most people if you go and you create your website and you can do this with free software there 's a lot of, A lot of it, and I'm sure if you're doing your homework, I don't want to do an ad for anybody, but it's there. And then you can build on, and you can say, yes, I'm ready to do the podcast. I'm ready to do a blog. I'm ready to do the Twitter. I'm ready to have Facebook. And Facebook begins your crowdsourcing. Facebook is your way to to reach out and to build friends, that's what they're called, and and, um, then give your friends content. And the content I would start with is the blog um, and just give your story, maybe a story a day. It's a voracious appetite to this social media, by the way. If you don't keep feeding it, um, it it's like uh, people who used to send out a newsletter. It's, it, you can't just start and stop. You have to keep feeding it. Make the stories poignant and, and, and experiential so people can learn from your experience. And then give a little tweet. And the tweet is just a little quick message, and I got a kick out of Kathy saying earlier during the uh, ad copy how the demands of 30 seconds is so tight. <laughs> your tweet can't be more than 140 characters, so there's discipline. It's better than doing the crossword puzzle, uh-huh. and right. and uh, get you know. So build that, and then once you've got the tweeting and blogging and your Facebook going, then you go into your your radio or your your TV. The TV being your YouTube, and the blog uh, the uh, TV being your po- uh, radio being your podcast. So again, it's building, building, building your friends, your outreach, and your stories. Knowing, knowing, Gordon, that if you c- the value of this is it took, I think, radio thirty eight years to reach fifty million people, and I think it took Facebook a matter of uh, of, of months. So yeah. the reach is huge. It's immediate. So do your homework, craft your message and your story, and get it right.
1: Now that goes to something else. Uh, you two both given superb advice, and, um, you know, this is very practical stuff you're talking about, but nevertheless, there are challenges for family caregivers who want to use new media. Please, starting with Kathy, talk about the challenges and your sense of how they can be overcome. Kathy?
3: Well, it is yet another thing to take on and learn right? at a time when your resources just may not be optimal. There is um, a uh, question of self-confidence that needs to be built, again, at a time when you might be feeling, um, as Nancy said, isolated and alone and not sure if you can do this, and um, a frustration with technology. This is something uh, new to learn. On the other hand, on the overcoming part of it, to be um, looking at this as a break from what you have to do on a day-to-day basis, and a way to um, get feedback that says, as Nancy says, you're not alone. You're doing the right thing. Thank you for um, the input that you're sharing, and you know, way to go, girl, kind of thing. Because the, um, the social media community is can be extremely supportive. You know, we're we're grassroots movements here. Um, so I if if. Um, One views it as doing it one step at a time and giving yourself a pat on the back because you're learning, you know, this is a new endeavor for for you along with the other stuff that you're doing so that the upfront investment will lead to gratification, satisfaction, and who knows what else down the road.
1: Right. Nancy, same question. Challenges Uh, and overcoming them.
3: Yeah,
2: and I think the first thing is the Cost isn't, to me, that big an inhibitor or barrier. I think that the biggest thing is, as uh, Kathy was saying, is confidence in time. Um, what I think is, is healthy about uh, anyone who chooses to share their stories and their knowledge through social media is that you can create sort of a sanity break during the day where you say, okay, for 30 minutes sort of instead of a coffee breaker with your, your favorite cup of tea, you, you're going to sit by the computer, connect, and, and and sort of share your story. Do your blog, do your tweet, and then go back to the grunt work. Um, it's great in terms of a sense of a validity that what you're doing is is good and, and having a purpose, and, and, you know, people are going to have to reinvent the wheel like you might have had to do through your own struggle. Um, why do I say it cost isn't that big an inhibitor? Once you're online, once you've got a computer and you've got your internet, so much of the of the software we're talking about is free. The um, for the for the for the blogging, the the tweeting, even for the podcasting and developing your your MP3, which is the file format you need uh, for for uh, your podcast. Right. So, it, you know, it take baby steps. Start with your Facebook, which will help you create your your, sense, your profile, identify yourself and your interests and attract others, and then take it from there.
1: Right. Now, again, this is a quick question. How do you measure success? Uh, you feel better. Um, you're getting input back that suggests that, yeah, people are listening, talking. But how do you actually measure the success? Kathy first and then Nancy, and it does have to be a quick one, I'm sorry to say.
3: Well, I think, first of all, you have to uh, figure out what uh, success means, what the objective is. Sometimes it is just putting down your thoughts like a diary, and that is success enough. You've gotten those words out there. Sometimes success is starting the, um, the website or the blog. So you have to determine what it is you want, in my opinion, what it is you want before you can measure that success.
1: Right. Nancy?
2: Well, I think if one of the things is you're feeling isolated and alone and not respected, you start tweeting. I could tell you when I started my blog, within 24 hours, I had 26 people following me. I didn't even know who they were. So all of a sudden, you got friends. You've got an army of friends, and, and I think that's a comfort, too, because you get, as as was saying earlier, they're warm, they're friendly. You get instant feedback from people, and uh, I think if, if that's a true measure of success, uh, it's easy to it's easy to count because you get these constant messages. We're following you,
1: right? And that is actually the the equivalence of sort of all the audience ratings and things like that, is it? Correct, absolutely.
2: Right. And in fact, Google will measure the number of times people are visiting different sites and different different pages, and you become part of that indices. So, so there's a there's a scientific measurement to all this as
1: well, right? Now, it is time once more to take the the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley and my guests are Kathy Kastner and Nancy Kildan. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be back. Talk, talk,
4: talk. That's all we do is talk.
5: Go inside the inner workings of the entertainment industry to find out what's next in television, film, and on the web. Listen for Next Stop Hollywood. Hosted by entertainment insiders and pop culture junkies Brad Roth and Mark Feldstein. You'll find out how your favorite TV shows and movies are created and marketed from the conventional to the creative. This fast-moving industry has much more behind the scenes than what you see. No matter how big the screen, Next Stop Hollywood airs live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. left coast, 7 p.m. right coast on Voice America Variety. News. 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 Opinion. Your
4: voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You know I need someone. Oh! You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at That's doc g at mymonami.com That's letter G at M Y M-O-N-A-M-I.com. Now back to Family Caregivers Unite.
1: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Kathy Kastner and Nancy Coldham. Our topic is Family Caregivers Helping Family Caregivers. Uh, now, we, we're going to ask this question. Um, what, what are the things that should be done? See, here's the context. Family caregiving is more and more important, not just for families, but for the health care systems of North America and beyond. So the question then rises, well, what more needs to be done by governments and healthcare systems to support family caregivers who are helping family caregivers and how that support should be provided? So what are the things you both would like to recommend and why? And if you like, you can see this as a political platform that you've just been uh, invited to step up to and give your Why Elect Me speech. So starting with Kathy, what are the things that you would like to recommend?
3: I'd like our politicians um, to take a look at other countries that pay their family caregivers and know what a difference it makes, as you've rightly said, Gordon, both to systemic costs and individual costs. And um specifically, respite care uh, counseling and um, acknowledgement of the um, the important role that is played by family caregivers that, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, that once you guys are out of the way, it's us who is left with the um, with the day to day work. And um, as we both know, there is movement, at least um, at certain government levels in Canada, to recognize and investigate what more can be done for family caregivers. And my sense is often that until someone in power or in politics is in that position himself or herself, that it doesn't become real. And when they're in that position, things get
1: moved. Right. Good one. Nancy, same question. What are the things you would like to recommend and why?
2: Well, I'm going to go back to a word you used, Gordon, when you opened the show. And you you self-declared, you identified yourself as an activist. And I think that that's what's critical. And I also think that's why in this case, when we discussed Uh, grandparents and caregivers and and, uh, in the context of what, you know, social media in particular, is you can turn these hard-earned, hard-working people into advocates and activists. And I think that's an important task to add to that um, burgeoning load of work they already have to do. And why? Because if they don't, it'll remain uh, unpaid and um, thankless task and and I think as is kind of saying about politicians is politicians respond to polling. Politicians respond to noise and if you're sitting back quietly continuing to do this, you're not they're not even getting any credit for the billions of dollars they represent in terms of aid. You can see here in Canada and around the world we've got the Stephen Lewis Foundation. There's a champion who at the UN level decided to to put the world's attention on grandmothers in Africa, and yet grandmothers at home are getting the same kind of care. They're certainly not getting grants, and they're not getting, um, you know, any subsidization for these efforts. So I say, you know, Let's unite. Family caregivers unite. Take up Gordon's slogan and do something about it. Let people know how many you are, the kinds of of money that you represent if someone had to pay for these services, the issues that you're dealing with, and the fact that it's wonderful to have grandparents involved. Grandparents have always been the glue to building a, an extended family, but in the past 30 years this increase in grandparents as caregivers in particular should be ringing alarm bells because you cannot have people on limited income, most people on pensions at that point, you know, reaching into their pockets to feed these kids and to help kids that may have other developmental mental challenges. So I say it's time not to be alone on this and to make it uh, a political issue for sure, and in times of recession, people are going to say there's no money. Well, guess what? Give them tax benefits. Give them tax relief, and that's, that's money in your pocket, even if somebody didn't send you a check. Right. Now, back to Kathy.
1: You're, you were talking about funding, and Nancy's raised it as well. Nancy's talked about activism. Does that mean, then, the focal point of family caregivers uniting should be the funding issue? And if so, should it be the funding issue alone, or is there more that they should be activist about? Kathy?
3: Well, since this is a um, social media or new media discussion, um, and since I'm not as politically active, media active, but not politically active, um, I I couldn't agree more with what Nancy has said. It is a time that is right with new media for caregivers to unite and um, if there is enough of a force um, that is brought to bear in a number of different strategies, and um, I just began twittering too, and it's just remarkable <laughs> the groups that have sprung up uh, on Twitter that um, can effect change, absolutely effect change, give people confidence, and develop hone a strategy, hone a direction, hone a uh, platform, if you will. And really never before has there been this vehicle that allows people to connect from the top of the province to the bottom, from North America to, to you know, to South America and say these are common issues and um, we're not going to take it anymore kind of thing. So social media really, um, for the first time, in my opinion, um Offers a no-cost way to uh, connect and um, help move forward an agenda that needs to be moved forward. And as we all age, and we've all we've all been hearing about uh, boomers, and you know, I'm speaking to 70-year-old women who are taking care of 90-year-old parents. This, as we all know, is just the beginning. Right of um, taking care of uh, of family caregivers, having to take care more and more across the board. So why not use social media to to move the agendas forward?
1: Okay. Nancy, question. Government, we're always looking to government for money, but one of the problems sometimes attached to the money is a layer of bureaucracy that simply gets in the way. Would you be afraid, fearful of, bureaucracy and red tape strangling social media if government funding was made available in some way to promote family caregiving or promote family caregivers uniting.
3: So
2: you think that if they get the money, they'll be asked to stop tweeting? (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, it's it's certain things they might be asked to stop tweeting.
2: (laughs) One of the beautiful things about the Internet is it has brought about this this level playing field, this freedom that Kathy's talking about. I mean, we've seen it most dramatically in the last few years in China. I mean, when you can get, you know... (laughs) government censorship ended because, you know, people just aren't going to take it. There's there's over 200 million Q-Zone users in China. That's like their eBay. I mean, people, people aren't going to just sit back. They're now connected like they've never been before. It's a Marshall McLuhan moment. The global village has arrived. And, and as, as we've been talking, it's not that difficult to play. It's a plug-and-play thing, and you're in there. If government tried to link what they could give you to how little you could say, I think there'd be such an outcry. Um, The other thing I think is important, you asked Kathy too, should the story be about the funding issue? No. For the story to to resonate, it has always got to be about care. It's the care they're giving, the quality of it, what they're learning from it, and the funding is secondary because what has to happen is is somebody has to begin to measure the impact of that. You know, the other thing that's coming is what they call the gray tsunami. And if caregivers don't unite now, I don't know when you would. I mean, starting in January 2011, the statistics say 10,000 people every day in the United States are going to hit the age of 65. Well, if, the, if 1 in 10 grandparents have been a primary supporter of a child, and that's the number of people who are going to turn 65 and older, you can see that there's this, this huge, huge uh, number of people who are going to or should have a voice like they've never had before. You'll have it and you'll keep it if you use tools like this to let people know what you're doing.
1: Right. We're near the end, and I'm just going to make a comment. Um, I've done, just done two, uh, four rather, episodes on dog guides. And what I heard um, was some of the most moving things Um, on this show altogether, and that is how a dog guide was able to get a family with an autistic child to become normal because they could go out because the child had been a flight risk. And when I asked the question, well, what about school, the mother gave the reply um, that the the child and the dog were in grade five together. (laughs) And that left me with two very strong feelings that we should be looking outside as well as inside the healthcare professions, um, the various administrative supports, all of which are very important. But I think we have to be capable of looking beyond into things which don't normally fit either with government systems or with the orthodoxies of healthcare. And I think there are are other stories out there like that, and those, I would dare suggest, are the ones that perhaps are going to attract attention from decision-makers and the rest of it. Now, I would like to say to both of you that um, if I were in your jurisdictions and you were standing for election on what to do about family caregiving, you would both get my vote. So thank you very much. (laughs) Now, we are running... Out of time, sadly. Um, but I would like to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. But please, would you email us with comments and questions, which I'll be glad to pass on to to um, Kathy and Nancy, and also your suggestions for things that perhaps we, as activists, because the three of us are really, uh, can do to be more useful. So thank you very much, Kathy and Nancy, for sharing us with, your, with us, your experience, your insights, and your advice. And in your own walks of life, because you are prominent experts and your uh, specialists in your own field, we wish you every success, but we want you to channel some of that success back into the world of the family caregiver so that they can grow, they can develop, and they can do more and better Thanks to input from you. So now in our next episode, we're going to talk about um, more ways in which family caregivers are helping family caregivers and to build up that story. So please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. See you then.
0: Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.